0: Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, welcome this morning. We're glad that you're here. We're continuing our study on the subject of grace. Uh, We'd like you to begin thinking about um, July. July is going to be a special month for us because we're going to be focusing on missions. We'll have several several missionaries with us speaking on Sunday morning. Uh, We also have the Gospel Chariot that will be here later in the month. On a Saturday, so make plans to come out and see the chariot and learn about the the work that they're doing. And so uh, keep that on your calendar and be thinking about um, missions in July and be praying for all of our missionaries. And of course, the 1st of August, the tailors will be here. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. You know, these words right here are etched on the hearts of many believers. And Christians have sung these words for 244 years now. And they have been sung in all kinds of settings. If you think about it for just a moment, these words have been sung by non-believers, people who don't even believe in the Christian faith. They have been sung by churches that are lacking in grace. And this is good news, not that there are some churches that are lacking in grace, but that the gospel is proclaimed even when we don't get it right. Worship is a reminder of who God is, what he has done, and who we are called to be. And so we come to worship and we hear of God's amazing grace. And this reminds us that we are all recipients of grace and that God has blessed us in many ways that we do not deserve and that we are now to go out into the world and we are to be ambassadors of God's grace. We are to reflect this grace in our lives, the grace that we have received. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And so over the last few weeks, we have established that grace shows up throughout the entire Bible. It shows up in the Old Testament. It shows up in the stories that Jesus tells. And this is important because we need to know what grace looks like. We need to see how grace plays out in the lives of people who are following God. Jesus reveals to us what grace is through the stories that he tells. And so he doesn't just define the word for us, he shows us what it is. And so now that that we have this knowledge, now that we've seen what grace looks like, we are prepared for the many times that this word grace is found in the letters of Paul. And so grace, the the word itself, shows up many times. It shows up over and over again, beginning in the letters of the Romans and continuing throughout all the letters of the New Testament. And this morning we want to explore some of these passages so that we can better understand what it means to be saved by grace. Of course, one of the most important passages in the Bible dealing with grace is found in Ephesians chapter 2, and this is where I want us to um, spend some time this morning. And I wanted to begin by just reading the entire passage, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. You know, it's important to read this passage in its entire context, but there's one verse here that stands out as we pour over these words. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing. It is the gift of God. This is a marvelous verse. It's not to be skipped over. It's not to be explained away. It is as true as Acts 2.38 is, a verse that we spent some time studying this last week at VBS, A verse that we know well. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Many of us prefer Acts 2.38 for a simple reason. It's black and white. It is one plus one equals two. It's easy to understand. It's easy to explain. Repent. And be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That's easy. That's simple. A person could read that verse, offer no explanation, and, and there are others that would be able to comprehend it. And so we like Acts 2:38. Now Ephesians 2:8 is just as true as Acts 2:38, but it's not as simple to understand. It's not as easy to explain. It's not black and white, it's gray, it's not as clear as maybe we would like it to be. For by grace, you have been saved. Well, does grace cover everything? Does grace erase all of my mistakes? What about future sins? What about things that I'm going to do next month or or next year? Well, the text does not say. All it says is, for by grace you have been saved. And that's it. And if we're honest, that can make us a little bit uncomfortable. Well, the good news is we're not the first people to wrestle with these types of questions. We're not the first to to contemplate just how far God's grace extends. This was an issue in ancient Rome. Rome. The, the church in Rome had questions. And Paul writes to them and, and he answers their questions. And so we see part of this in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The Romans believed that God's grace would cover all sins. And they went further than that. They they, they believed that they could do whatever it is they wanted, and God's grace would take care of all of it. Now, Paul does not deny that God's grace can cover all sins. What he says that they got wrong is that they never changed their lives. Baptism is supposed to be a death to self. We are to come up from the waters of baptism a different person. We are to be different and we are to live differently. The Romans just kept on living as they wanted to live. And Paul says, that is wrong. If the gospel does not change us, then we have misunderstood the gospel. If we get baptized, but our lives do not change in any way, then all we've done is gotten wet. We have not encountered the holy. What Paul does not do is spell out the length and breadth of God's grace. He does not say, well, grace will cover this much, but not that much. Why? Because God's grace is big. Jonah understood this when he refused to go to Nineveh. God's grace is radical. It covers more than we realize It is abundant. It is lavish. We are saved by grace, and this is good news. And so grace means that we don't have to be perfect. And this is good news because no one is perfect. You know, when we look at Romans 6, we see that we are to die to self and we are to follow Christ. And this is what God requires of us. But this does not mean that we will be perfect. We won't be. We will fail. We will mess up. We will fall short. We do not lose our salvation when we stumble because we are saved by God's grace. The only way that we lose our salvation is if we give up and we quit trying. Grace covers everything else. It covers our shortcomings. It covers our imperfect attempts at following Jesus. And so thank goodness for grace. Grace means that we don't have to get everything right. Paul does not give us a percentage of what we must get right. Grace means we stop counting. Peter did not get everything right. David did not get everything right. Moses did not get everything right. We're going to die with some wrong ideas. We're not going to get every belief correct. And even when we try our very best to arrive at truth on all doctrines, there's still disagreement we do not always come to the same conclusions. Thankfully, God does not say, well, you're going to be saved if you pass the test to get into heaven. Or you're going to be saved if you get the quiz right. Our salvation is not based on knowledge. If that were the case, then God would favor people with intellectual abilities. He would favor people with degrees. He doesn't. If anything, God favors the lowly. He favors the uneducated and the poor. He favors children who have not yet completed their education, completed their learning. We're not saved by knowledge. Yes, we are to love God with all of our mind. We are to meditate on God's Word. We're to study it deeply. We're to use our intellect to glorify God. We're to do all of these things. But we need to also remember that there's a good chance that we will lose our intellectual capabilities. We will become forgetful. Our minds will diminish. We may develop dementia or Alzheimer's, as so many do. If we are trusting in our minds for salvation then we are worshiping a false idol. Our intellect will not save us. We We will only be saved by God. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Well, Grace also means that we live lives of gratitude devoted to God. Our salvation comes from God. He is the source of life. We have this gift because of God and no one else. And so we look to him and we give ourselves to him. We follow him. We serve him. We obey him. Does this guarantee that we're never going to mess up or we're going to get everything right? Absolutely not. But we keep going. We keep pressing on knowing that we are saved by grace. Grace frees us. Grace frees us from worry. It frees us from guilt and shame. It frees us to live a life with God at the center. We're not focused on ourselves. We're not focused on whether we've done enough. We're not focused on our intellect. Instead, we focus all of our attention on God, who has given us this wonderful gift. If grace does not lead us to follow God, then we have wasted whatever grace that God has bestowed on us. Freedom is not doing whatever it is we want to do. That is anarchy. It's not shalom. It's not heaven. It's not paradise. It is hell. It's pride, greed, hate, sexual desire, run them up. That's not grace. Grace is forgiveness love, mercy. Grace frees us to follow God and grace leads us to be the people that God would have us to be. Grace forgives us of so much that we have gotten wrong and will get wrong so that we can live lives of gratitude that are devoted to God. Why is the word grace found so many times in the letters of Paul? Why is it here more than we find it in other parts of Scripture? Well, we don't know for certain. But I think it probably has something to do with who Paul was. Go and read his story go and learn about his life before he became a follower of Christ. He was an enemy of the church. He was a murderer. If anyone understood God's grace, it was Paul. How could John Newton write a song as beautiful as Amazing Grace? Well, before coming to Christ, he was a vile and godless man, he was a sailor who made other sailors blush with his language. He was a slave trader. John Newton saw the very worst of life. And not only that, he didn't just see it, he participated in it. He was lost. He was a wretch in need of God's grace. How could Newton write such a song? He understood The radical nature of God's grace. You know, it is astounding to consider that the most famous words that we associate with grace come from a murderer and a slave trader. Of course, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. None of us are deserving. None of us are worthy. And yet, God bestows His grace upon us. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. Let's pray. Dear God, we come before you this morning and we thank you for your abundant and lavish grace. We thank you for who you are and what you have done. We thank you that we don't have to keep on counting or we don't have to focus on our intellect or our deeds or anything like that, that you have saved us regardless. Father, I pray that we would consider this grace, we would contemplate this grace, and that we would devote our lives to you, that we would strive to follow you in all of your ways. And that we would be obedient to you in everything that we do. And not only that, Father, I pray that we would take this grace that we have received. And that we would be ambassadors of your grace in this world. So that others might come to know what we already know. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.